Hello everybody, it's your boy, Kyle Conkeel, and I completely forgot to edit this podcast and put it out. So if you're listening to this, I literally just did this today, Wednesday, November 4th, at 1.53pm. So I'm going to try to keep this short and sweet, so you guys can listen to this pretty cool conversation I had with the Five Finger Death Punch drummer, Charlie Engian. He's a super dope dude, and I really, really, really appreciate him. Me and him have had a lot of good times, and uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Charlie Engin. Right. Charlie, what's going on, buddy? Nothing much, man. How are you? Oh, not too bad. As we were talking a little bit about before before we started the podcast, I'm uh, I've been going uh, to physical therapy um, because I blew my back out last weekend, and I have a small bulge in my L5 S1, as well as a pinched nerve and some muscular strain in the same area, which has oh, been that's, that's a fucking bullshit. <laughs> yeah. There's, back injuries are some of the worst. Yeah, so I've just been trying to, you know, take it. I think it maybe was my body was just like, listen, dude, you've been just firing on all cylinders for however however long. You need to probably take a little bit of a break. <laughs> so, as unproductive as I feel, yeah, I uh, it's it's been nice to kind of been like, all right, you know, maybe you have been doing too much, you know, like going going to the gym four days a week and then, you know, spending hours sitting poorly in my chair trying to write, you know, new battle yeah. music and new solo stuff. And then, you know, just and then eating like a piece of shit as well. Yeah, <laughs> you mix all those together and yeah, you might suffer a little bit, but it still sucks. But yeah, yeah, you know, use it as a good, good time to take care of some other things that you don't want to normally do. Yeah. So uh, right before this podcast got started, uh, I'm not sure if you saw Charlie, but Eddie Van Halen died, dude. I just saw it on Andy James's post, and yours was right below it. So yeah. you two were the first to tell me about it. That's that's a drag. I didn't. I know he's been dealing with some health things lately, but it seemed like he was kind of out of that for a while. So yeah, what a bummer. Yeah, he had a pair. I saw a, a post from Wolfgang Van Halen, who uh, he posted that uh, this morning that his dad had lost his battle with uh, with throat cancer. So that's, I'm definitely sending out all my love to the Van Halen crew, Maddie Bruck, and anybody involved with uh, with Van Halen or knew them very closely. Um, he was definitely what it meant to be a guitar god. I mean, that's for sure. So uh, the music world is definitely a little bit shittier without him. Yeah, I hate, I, you know, it always, when a legend dies, it's always this weird kind of like, I don't know. It gives me like some sort of like a like a flashback meets reality now type of thing. I don't know. It's like you all of a sudden just remember all the the memories and stories of like when Neil Peart died earlier this year. It was the same sort of feel of just like oh, oh man, like it's like a smack of reality or something. Like yeah, we're all mortal at the end of the day. And yeah, you just I love Van Halen too. He was such a uh, when I started to play guitar, which would have been about I don't know 15 years ago. He was like who I was trying to emulate. I was just trying to learn a ton of Van Halen and whatnot. So fell in love with like women and children first, Van Halen one, two, you know, all the kind of the main ones, even the, the Hagar days. I still love those tunes too. Dude, I'm not going to lie. People hate on Van Hagar, but 
I love Van Hagar. Me, in in in, in my opinion, in my opinion, and I'm sure I'll get shit for this. I feel like I feel like Sammy Hagar is a better vocalist than David Lee Roth. I know what you mean. I and I think I prefer. Now, don't get me wrong. I like to get like kind of down and dirty with the old Van Halen tunes uh, with David, but. There's something about the Hagar tunes. I kind of connect with them a little more. Like if I'm going to listen to some, some songs, I feel like I prefer some of those tunes over kind of the, you know, kind of the grimy style of the, of the older years. So I don't, I'm kind of with you there. Yeah. I mean, for unlawful carnal knowledge, wasn't a shitty record. You know what I mean? <laughs> no. Oh, I ate one. Oh, I ate one. You two, whatever the hell the saying goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one too. There's, there's good songs on a lot of those albums. Yeah. But it's definitely, it's definitely a true loss in yep. the music world. And, you know, speaking of, of, of Neil Peart, which I recently, um, Ash from Revocation was on here mm-hmm. and he told me that I, uh, that I was pronouncing Neil's last name wrong. So. Yeah, we all have been for years. So I've had to go <laughs> through that learning experience, whatever. I learned that probably, I don't know, seven years ago or something, but it still wants to come out pert once in a while. And I have to remind myself as I say it, Peart. Um, but that one, that one was, uh, that one was hard on me as well. Um, I've been, I gotta stop with the ums. Oh, I gotta stop. I gotta, my, <laughs> I gotta throw that in my brain to stop with the ums. Uh, oh, and there it goes again. But I, I was, I was lucky enough to meet Neil Peart when they were rehearsing for R40 at Mates. Oh, uh, that's my, awesome. My work. And he was just, a lot of people talk about how Getty Lee and Alex Lifeson are the life of the party. They're the mo they're like the social butterflies of the group. Yeah. I didn't ever really see them, but Neil was always outside. He would talk to me. I think maybe because I didn't like I didn't call him by his first name. I didn't let him know that I knew who he was. Yeah, I didn't feel I'm assuming like he probably saw me with like my death metal t shirts and was just like, oh this is just some some death metal kid. He probably doesn't even know he probably doesn't even know what Rush is all about. Like Meanwhile, I'm in the office, like singing along to Xanadu while they're rehearsing and shit. So yeah, exactly. Um, That's awesome, though. Yeah, I never met him. I never, I've never met any of those guys. But Rush remains to this day probably a top three band of mine. They, they've kind of been one of my favorites since I was a kid. Yeah, same. Doc likes to give me a hard time. He calls me a nerd. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. <laughs> Doc, damn you! Yeah, I'm. A, that's another band where I, I, I somewhat. I think maybe because I overlistened a lot of the older stuff, but the '80s era Rush is kind of my favorite Rush, like Grace Under Pressure, Signals. Oh yeah. Like uh, uh, Hold Your Fire, whatever that album's got some good tunes even, and then um, the uh, Power Windows. That's one I was forgetting. Yeah, those I love those albums. I loved I love the '80s Rush. Because I felt like Getty Lee was able to, granted, a lot of the stuff did take away from, you know, Alex's guitar playing, which, which you know, yeah. I, I totally get. But I really loved how Getty was just experimenting with everything, like synthesizers, different bass guitars. Like, that was the year, like, you would see him, like, playing, like, a Ned Steinberger headless bass or, like, you know, a <laughs> yeah, Wall yep. MK1. It was just, like, a super experimental time for for rush but signals oh dude yeah signals is probably one of my favorites if i had to actually pick you know one of yeah i i still you know love all the old ones too that's the thing but i just jammed to like hemispheres and and all like 2112 obviously uh permanent waves and then the main one moving pictures i jammed to those so many times that i think i've just kind of like 
you know, that I've soaked everything out of it that I can get. And so the eighties ones are more for the tunes, kind of like you're saying, they, they took a, a little bit away from the guitar playing and stuff, but they brought like a different dynamic too. They were into that, you know, police sound, obviously. Yeah. So they had the like screaming chorus guitars and stuff, but it was really, I don't know the, the, the songwriting I enjoyed, you know, yeah. just as much, if not more. Yeah. There was definitely some, some, awesome songwriting on those 80s albums and don't get me wrong like if i had to pick my two my two rush albums it'd probably be hemispheres and moving pictures yeah that's I'm not, that's a I'm good i'm not call. so much on 2112 but like yo yeah. like an- uh, anthem uh caress yeah. steel i am yeah. the like i don't care like what anybody says man caress steel is like is still up there it's definitely yeah. top 5 yeah, my that's my dad too. He's he loves Caress of Steel. I was just listening to I think I'm going bald came on my uh <laughs> onto my phone yesterday actually in the car, so I was listening to a little bit of that. Yeah, no, I hear you. I'm with you. I that's a good point too. Fly by, by night goes under the radar sometimes because I love all those songs a lot. Yeah, that that's what it's called. Fly by night, not fucking yeah. anthem. That's the first song off Fly that's the, by yep. Night. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, Rush, man, you can't go wrong with with anything with them so we could go on and on <laughs> it was it was funny because we uh when we went to australia last year with nickelback um we did a doc and i did an interview at one of the local sydney radio stations yeah and they were like asking us a bunch of questions and like kiss came up and then i just started talking about rush yeah <laughs> <laughs> Because, uh, you know, Kiss took Rush mm-hmm. on their on their very first U.S. tour, and it was like, I think they did that for like three years. Yeah, it, they it did. Se- like, it seemed like it was like forever. Yeah, it, it sounds like it from their stories they've told to us. It was, it, was, it was a ton of shows. Yeah, and I've watched that documentary, uh, Beyond the Lighted Stage, probably thir- 30 times. No doubt. I have it on Blu-ray somewhere. <laughs> I I, it's been it on lot. Netflix, so I just, I, you know. Oh, if, that's right. If, I watched if I, it on there, too. If I can't find anything good on Netflix, I gotta be like, all right, let's you know, let's just get this in one more time, you know? Yeah, it's good, and especially once you see it, because then you don't care if you miss any parts, and you can just watch it. Yeah, but I love watching the old footage of like them playing live. No doubt. It's just uh, that time, and I'm not saying that like music isn't like that anymore, but I just feel like with with Rush and you know bands from that era, especially more of the quote unquote prog. Bands yeah. like you know Yes and Genesis yeah. and stuff like that. There were it was just it just sounded so good even in a live setting with minimal, minimal. I mean they I don't even think they had tracks back then. Did they even have DAT machines or tracks yeah. or anything back then? I don't think any bands were running that stuff yet. No, but it would just sounded so fucking good. Like yeah, how, how could you get a three piece to sound like like that amazing live? I know it's weird too. I don't, I don't know what that is either. Like what you could equate it to or the reasoning behind it. It, Maybe it's a sense of nostalgia mixed in with it. So like when we watch it, it's just like this yesteryear feel that you just can't, you can't like recreate it with the film quality and everything. But there was a clarity in the sound too. I know what you mean coming from the board that it just sounds a little different when you watch any of those old Zeppelin DVDs and granted, yeah, a lot of them are digitally remastered and, and whatnot for clarity, but there's still a different vibe to the sound. Yeah. I know what you're talking about, but, but yeah, that's awesome though. I love watching that old stuff. So for people who don't know, and if you're listening and you don't know, Charlie plays drums for the band five finger death punch. Yeah, yeah, now yeah. Charlie, when did we meet? Was it the end of 2018? 
Yeah, yep, it would have been 2018 because we've, I've done five tours with Death Punch, I believe it is, and you, you guys have all been on four of them, and then <laughs> on the one last summer that we didn't have together, we still played like two or three festival shows together. So I got yeah. to see you guys a little bit, but um, yeah, it was a uh, fall of 2018. Yeah, so Charlie and I met then. I remember, um, I was I had talked to or Killian Duarte had sent me a text. He's like, "Yo." Uh, our, our boy Charlie, our, our boy Charlie's playing drums. I was like, oh shit, really? And uh, so I went up to you. I remember like one of the first, I think the first week that, that uh, you were on the tour. Yeah. And I said, uh, you know, Killian says hi, you know, and I was like, dude, I, I didn't even realize you played for Scale of Summit. You know, that's super dope. I'm a super, super big Scale of Summit fan. And uh, I, remember I remember that actually. Yeah. It took us, it took us a little while, but then we kind of started hanging out a little bit more and more and more. Yeah, and then you you guys and Megadeth were the last tour that we did this year, and I'm sure it's I yep. think it's the same for you guys. Did you guys go same. out after? Uh uh-uh. uh After Europe, we mo- yeah, no. After Europe, we moved that spring tour with Papa Roach uh, and I Prevail and Ice Nine Kills to the fall, and then that got eventually canceled too. Oh, so dry, Dick. But <laughs> actually, I I think you know because um, you know Andy James was was filling in for for Jason, and I think mm-hmm. the mixture of you. Me, Andy, James, and Doc was just yeah. like, there was just, uh, uh, we were like thick as thieves. And I think, I'm pretty sure I had the worst hangover of my life ever oh, with, no. with you guys in Milan. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah. I, re- I was rough in Milan, too. I remember that because that was the hottest show I've ever played in the existence of my life. Uh <laughs> That show was I, halfway through it. I was dying of sweat, like as if I had just played three of my normal sets. It was an insane feeling, and I'll never forget because at the end of the show, Ivan came up to me when we were like saying goodbye to the audience and throwing stuff, and he gives me a hug and he's like, "Help me!" and he just like collapsed in my arms, joking but not about because he was just dying of heat too. Yeah, but uh, that was crazy. Yeah, that was crazy hot Milan. That was fun. So but, uh, so <laughs> yeah. just so stupid of me, like. I mean, uh, it was kind of stupid of all of us. It's a doc the next day, just fine. Oh yeah, I feel like he's always like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but me, me, you, and Andy, like, oh me, I had to extend my hotel. I just told my tour manager, I'm like, extend my hotel for as long as you can. I don't give a shit how much it costs. Oh I am, man, I am that's fucking rough. Dead right yeah, now. Yeah, there's there's nothing worse than making that mistake when you got to play a show the next day. Like, wh- why didn't we ever do that with like? days off after that <laughs> yeah right <laughs> we do that on the days off because we're bored <laughs> yeah i know exactly that's exactly what it is but uh yeah that's funny i remember that well yeah i didn't feel too good for that one either yeah but uh yeah we've been having a lot of fun really now these last couple years and unless especially these last couple tours i know we've we've all hung out a lot more especially like me you doc and then chris too joining in and uh yeah. Honestly, John too. We see him a handful of times. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, you only really see him when when his girlfriend's out. Because yeah, for the most part, um, if John's girlfriend, sorry, I get the hiccups. If John's girlfriend isn't out, he doesn't drink on tour. So, yeah, right. He takes it pretty easy. <laughs> I just remember. I don't remember what city we were in, and I think I like text you this or something, where uh, we were in our dressing room, and I think it was Maddie's first day on on the tour. 
And we were just, you know, I think it was you, me, Doc, John, Maddie, and Brad from Three Days Grace. And we were drinking tequila in our dressing room. And John (laughs) kept playing the first 15 seconds of that, of (laughs) of Icarus Lives. Icarus Lives from Periphery. I remember that too. He wouldn't stop playing. He's like, man, this intro just hits so hard. (laughs) And just kept like, yo, play the song, dude. Stop starting over. I'm just going to start over one more time. One more time. And I remember telling him, I'm like, I've done this in my car by myself many times times too just when that kicks in it it feels so good after the you know and then just it hits so hard but i remember that clear as day that was funny that was a fun tour we all had a lot of fun with the three days grace guys and yeah we got out they're my favorite they're my yeah they're my favorite bands to tour with like brad barry Mm -hmm. matt and neil those guys are just like brad brad especially man like when we we went to we we did our first European tour with them in October of 2018. So right before we, right before I met you, the month mm-hmm. prior to that, we did all of October in uh, in Europe with with Three Days Grace. And man, like those guys are just they're on a different level. Maybe it's because they're Canadian. Not <laughs> yeah. that you know, not not that Five Finger Death Punch doesn't like treat us you know with respect or anything like that. Oh, because no, they yeah. do. But there's just like. Three Days Grace is just a little extra, and I think it just goes with everything, you know? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, they do have that Canadian, you know, like, spirit to them all the time. You know, yeah, yeah. Like, they never come off like they're in a bad mood or anything, even if maybe they are in their head. They don't they don't act like it or something. But, yeah, they're always, a, like, an uplifting group of guys to be around, that's for sure. I remember, because we've done, like, three or four tours with them as well, I remember they had Bubba doing security for them. Yep. And uh, he was, you know, after their show, I give them, you know, because I like to bug them. It's just my yeah. thing. You know, <laughs> after, after their show, you know, I wait like 20, 30 minutes, you know, about an hour after they're done playing. Yep. And I'll go bug them. And I remember like Bubba was like, hey, it just needs a minute. I'm like, oh, it's all good, man. And then Brad like fucking like saw that I was there. He's like, oh, Bubba, just fucking let him in. Who gives a shit? <laughs> Yeah, those guys like they are... were talking about like band business and shit, and then like right. me and Brad are just like in the corner, like making we 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 made a drink, and I'm sure there's a proper name for it, but he called it the Conky because <laughs> there it was. I just decided to just make make this drink. I think it was uh, it's tequila, it's tequila, soda, lime. And then a little bit of cranberry juice, and it doesn't matter what kind of what kind of cranberry juice. Just because, you know, when you have guests in your dressing room, you kind of run out of stuff a lot quicker. Yeah, exactly. So I was just trying to put like a cocktail together, and I was like, oh, I don't right. want to drink. I don't want to drink the last, you know, the last soda water. Yeah, totally. And so I was just like, oh, I'll just put a little. He's like, oh, what do you what do you got there? And then uh, he like. I'm, I gave him a little taste, and he's like, oh, that's really fucking good, bud. And, <laughs> yeah. It sounds like him. And uh, and yeah, we just started. The, that yeah. was like our drink. I would come in and be like, "Oh, he's like, I made you a fresh conky." <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Especially if Neil get Neil will get in there and get all get everybody fired up. Oh, uh, dude, I love I love watching Neil before he goes on stage because he's got just like a like a glass of red wine. Yeah, and he's just you know he's just getting ready. <laughs> yeah, he's funny, man. <laughs> I hung out with him a lot on that tour. We had a bunch of funny funny little adventures like the one man this was so funny i don't know if we ever told you about it we went to uh man what's the old country guy all of a sudden the name's starting to slip near of course right as i tell the story um i'm gonna i'll, I'll think of it and it doesn't really matter we go to the the country it's like this quiet club and uh like a theater i'm sorry where you know everybody's seated real old crowd um 
it's driving me crazy. I can't think Dwight Yoakam. There we go. Oh yeah. So, so we're sitting there and, uh, you know, Dwight comes out and then if anybody doesn't know Neil or his, his, uh, his level of exuberance, we start, we start like talking about the show as it's going on. And I can tell right away, Neil's talking too loud for the people around us and everybody's kind of looking and like looking back at us and we're sitting there kind of laughing about this or that or the other thing. And all of a sudden this dude next to us just starts freaking out. Then people start like standing up around us, not even geared at us. They're like getting hyped for the concert. And then everybody else who's sitting down is getting pissed off. So like, everything's kind of getting churned up and so everybody's getting hostile and this dude next to us was like six seven six eight this big older guy (laughs) and he freaks out and like runs down to the aisle to where people were standing up and like starts yelling at him and me and neil are like by this time people had talked to us like you guys are being too loud and so we used that as our escape plan ran out of dwight yoakam a little early (laughs) because people were starting to get hostile at the old yoakam show but oh dude it was it was a wild funny night just Dwight's sound was going out on him and he was getting pissed and kicking his speaker and looking at the sound guy. Oh God. It was just this funny little, uh, it was in Jacksonville too. But uh, yeah, that was a, that was a good Neil story that, that I have, man. We had some laughs at that one. Those guys just like to get turned, dude. Like, (laughs) I, I mean, I see, I see you drinking that truly right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, They love the old Canadian style. Uh, And I'm from Minnesota. So, our tendencies seem to be like very similar in our kind of our actions and our demeanor and speaking and stuff. So I know us three in a room just keep talking and talking and talking, but yeah, I miss those guys. I haven't seen them in a little while. Oh dude. I don't, were you there for this? Were you there when, Oh no. Cause this was on the Canadian tour that we did with nothing more. So it was three days, grace, nothing more in us. And we oh, were, yeah. and we were doing like a, a trek across Canada from, from East to West. And uh, and Chad Kruger from Nickelback comes out, you know, and we introduce yeah. ourselves because we were just about we were going to go out with them in Australia a few months later. Oh, yeah. So, nice. um, you know, I introduce myself and, you know, we're hanging out with the three days boys and, you know, the Krogue is what we all like to call them. And uh, <laughs> even though uh, apparently their name is Kruger, it's not Kroger. Oh, is it? Yeah. Like I asked because oh, I'm, I'm, I'm friends. I'm friends with their bass player, Mike. And I was like. Yo, was your last name Kruger or Kroger? And he's like, Kruger. I was like, why does everybody say Kroger? And I was like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so we were we were hanging out in the in three days' uh dressing room and they had like, you know, they they went extra for that show. It was a headlining show for them. So oh, yeah. and they knew and they knew that Chad was gonna come out and hang out and stuff like that. And uh Doc was Doc was playing DJ, like everyone, everyone on the I think on the tour was in there, like hanging out, just getting <laughs> fucking turned. That's and funny. I remember like people were like, there was a bunch of people like in a circle and they were like jumping into the center of the circle and dancing and shit. <laughs> and then like for some reason out of nowhere, I don't know why, but I decided to do the worm. And then, <laughs> Oh no. How did it go? No, it went great. And oh then, like, good. Yeah. <laughs> and I like did like some fucking other like kick on the ground floor shit. And <laughs> everybody fucking lost their goddamn mind. That's hysterical. <laughs> I used to be able to do it really well in high school. But, yeah. was, you know, your boy's a little bit bigger than he was back Yeah, then. <laughs> yeah. Your body feels a little different when you start doing the worm. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> when you're 30 fucking three. Yeah, so, that's, yeah, that's funny. 
But yeah, everybody lost their minds. Like you should, you should have seen Tommy. Like he was like he lost his goddamn Laughing. mind. Yeah, just everybody <laughs> was just like, Jesus, cock, what are you doing? <laughs> that's, that's so funny. Doc running the DJ spot as usual. Doc is really good at that. I mean, some I, I will say, I will say, there are some times where I'm just like, yo, man, put something else on. But for yeah. the most part, <laughs> yeah. he's really good at reading the room. He and, is. And and putting some really good tunes on, no doubt. Yeah, he can uh, keep it flowing and knows how to. Yeah, exactly like you said, read the room. Yeah. So that was super. Man, I uh, talking about all this touring. It, it's made me miss touring a lot, a lot more than I already was. I know. That's the funniest thing is when I got back from Europe. You know, I was I was like, okay, a little break before the spring thing, and then when the COVID thing started. And that was looking like we weren't going out in like May or whatever it was. Yeah, we were supposed to go out at the same time. Yeah, I was like, all right, well, it is what it is. You know, like I'll take this time to maybe get my head straight. Like my dog had just died when I got home and stuff. I remember and I was, that. Yeah, so it was the day I got home. So I was, you know, we've been moving for the for the last little while. So I'm like, all right, I'll take these months and, you know, get some stuff together and get home stuff done or whatever. And then when the fall tour was coming up, I was so psyched about it. But obviously knowing like there's still a chance this isn't going to happen. Yeah. And then, yeah, once that got canceled, that was the first time where I'm like, I want to be on the road so bad. <laughs> like I've never had that feeling of, of like the urge to where it's just like, I feel like I'm doing something wrong, not being out there or something right now. Yeah. So when, when all this started for like, we had, we had a tour planned for, I think it was May 11th or something. We were going to go out, do a co-headliner with Hollywood and dead. And then the, oh, yeah, support, that's right. the support was going to be from ashes to new and then fire from the gods. So I was like, all right, I grew up with the Hollywood and dead guys. We toured, we just got done touring with Fire from the Gods in December with you guys. Yep, yep. And we've toured a bunch with From Ashes to New. So I was like, this is just going to be a homey hang. Don't, it's no going to be nice. You know, there's, I, you know, I, I don't, I didn't suspect there was going to be any trouble from anybody. I right. just knew it was going to be a great time. And when that got canceled, I was like, oh, fuck, super bummed. And I was yep. like, all right, there's no way they're going to cancel the, or they're going to have to postpone the Disturbed tour. Because right. that was that was one I was like, all right, three bands, amphitheater, like yeah, this, yeah, it's gonna you be know, a big with stained one. and disturbed. Yeah, damn. And I was like, there's no way. And right, our drummer John, you, you know, old Burkle. Yeah, um, yep. Yeah. He was like, dude, I don't think there's going to be any touring in 2020. And I was like, yeah. I was like, no way. There's no I know. fucking way. That's what I was saying too. And as and it started getting closer, and they were like, yeah, we have we have to postpone. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. I just remember the first few months of the lockdown, and I was just I was doing my best to try to stay sane because I hadn't really been home in like yeah. two and a half years, <laughs> right? And I was like, all right, cool. And I, you know, I started trying to write, and I was like trying to do stuff to help fund some new purchases for you know writing at home, and yep. And then like it seems like clockwork. Because it's been probably like April, May, June, July, August, September, October. You know, it's been seven, seven, almost eight months. And, yeah. Um, and it seems like the like a month will go by. I'm super productive. I'm writing a bunch of shit. I'm doing everything that I feel like I should be doing to keep myself busy. And then like I'll just get like two or three weeks of like fucking fuck this. What am I going to do? Looking yeah. for other jobs. And I'm just like, what? like what? something's got to give. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. I get it's, it. Yeah. I get it. They want people to be safe and stuff like that, but you can't lock down forever. 
No. Yeah. I mean, unless you, what are you going to just fear everything from here on out now and just nothing ever exists. I don't, I don't get what the end goal is here anymore, especially like in the beginning, it made a little sense because it's like, okay, yeah, we don't know what we're dealing with here. So let's, let's control this a little bit. Let's make sure, yeah, the hospitals don't get overwhelmed. That makes sense. Okay. And then it gets to a point where now it just feels like totalitarianism. Like it feels like you don't have an option no matter what. And it also is odd to me that the businesses that are getting crushed are generally entertainment based. Whereas you could go into Home Depot and Target and all the chains and all the big commercial stores since day one of this. You can go so, to a political rally. Yeah, yeah. Well. You can destroy a city and it's all good. But there's something about, you know, I'm like just talking venues. about I'm just talking about like, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it doesn't matter if it's Trump or Biden. You can have no. a, you can have a rally like fucking one of those homies had one at the at the um oh that place in fuck what's that venue we i've played there before and it holds like 22,000 people or some shit and he had like fucking 5 6,000 people there i'm like that's cool yeah. but yeah. i i can't go to work right it's like, just an odd thing now it's reached levels of absurdity too like you can walk into a restaurant with your mask on sit down and take your mask off i've gone to bars around town here and it's as if it's never even going, like it's not going on at all. Yeah. You know, everybody's walking around drinking, doing their thing. And it's, it's just a real weird state of, uh, we just need this election over with, I think. I think that's the biggest, it's gotten too politicized now. Yeah, it, it really has. And listen, I'm all for safety measures and, yeah. and you know, wearing a mask. I'm cool with it. Fine. Yeah. And washing your hands, social distancing. Great. But I think that there there has got to be a way for us to be able to go back out and do our jobs. And I get if the next couple of years it might be different, but sure. I'm definitely not accepting a quote unquote new normal. No, me neither. Yeah. I'm over it. I like in that, in that regard, for sure. I'm totally done with preventative measures and stuff, but I was always kind of like that to begin with. I mean, I'm, I, you know, I, I wash my hands. It's not like, you know, I don't know. I feel like what else can you do in life other than, yeah, I mean, you could, tuck your way, you know, tuck yourself away in a house for the next 20 years, then whatever, and let your life just be that. But it comes down to now we're, we're seeing the aftermath of this too, with businesses being crushed, small business, small restaurants, yeah. uh, obviously musicians and, and all entertainment. So I don't know how, you know, <laughs> they think it's going to magically just go back. I, I don't know what their, what their goal is here. And, and, and them not having, a a plan for it is even more scary because yeah i know dudes and i'm and you do too i know dudes who have been in the music business for 20 years plus yeah i've been making a living and supporting their families and there has been no contingency plan for those people no you know it's you know not just us i mean i'm very fortunate i because i has still have a day job and i was working my day job when COVID happened, I was able to get un- unemployment benefits. Yeah, yeah. But there are tons and tons of people who were not that fortunate. And now they're, you know, I've heard of people selling cars, selling houses, like oh, yeah. selling stuff that they that they have to just to be able to pay their rent, their mortgage, or feed their family. Yep. And not having a contingency plan for the for the one thing that people go and do to get away from the real world is just <laughs> exactly been, just be like no you're just gonna go behind the curtain here you're not that important yeah and I saw one uh 
I think Andy Andy James posted it about like somebody in in England who was just like I think that the musicians and gig artists should retrain for different and get different jobs. I'm like, yo, <laughs> fuck you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, the, and the, you know, to look on the brighter side, I, I will call it brighter side for the sake of the argument is if this doesn't prove anything, it proves that people need this type of entertainment because you can, I mean, the messages I get and I'm sure you get, and we all get, are like people are craving to go out and do something fun. Dude, I get know? messages like three, four times a day. When are you coming to this city, please yeah. come here. Please come here. Yep. And you it's, know, and you I get can it. feel the vibe now. It's, it's yeah. changing of like importance of, you know, people realize that art and music and stuff is part of life. And without it, especially the live part, because people, a certain amount of people have forgotten that live music is so much different than when you put it on your phone and run. And oh drop, yeah. You know? Oh and, yeah. People like convenience, but then when they see a live show for the first time in a while, they're like, oh, shit, I remember now why I like this so much. So I don't know. I'm hoping that this refuels it all. And then as soon as this nonsense, like, kind of gets, you know, the handcuffs off of it, we can see a resurgence of, of live stuff. But like you say, it might take a few years for people to get the confidence slash the, you know, the government part of it slash the venue part of it the state thing so it's going to be yeah to get back to what what we were used to yeah and you know i i really feel like there is a lot of stuff and yeah it might cost it might cost the venues or you know the booking agents a little bit more money Mm -hmm. but there there is a there is a way if you want to have a show and it's you know socially distanced people wear masks i mean dude there's covid tests that you can get that are literally you get results within 20 minutes yeah and it and it and it can tell you if you currently have had any of the SARS yep you know and if it's just like hey sorry you didn't pass the COVID test you'll take your ticket money will be refunded exactly sorry yeah there's there's a way to do it especially start in the morning yeah motherfuckers are at home anyway like tell them cool totally the show the doors are at six if you want to get Mm -hmm. in on time you got to be here in line at 10 a.m so everybody could either have you know their forehead checked to see if they have fever or you know if you know maybe take a covid test yeah there are ways ways to go about it to make to do shows in a safe manner totally and you know and I mean, we have amphitheaters. We don't have to yeah. do it indoors. And no, I get yeah. for the smaller bands, it would be a lot harder. Definitely. Um, but those venues also have parking lots. Exactly. There's, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's there's all these little things that can be done to to make things happen, even if it takes a little like trial and error. And we, mm-hmm. it, it's got to get figured out because the fact of the matter is, is that we're going to see a ton of bands that we both and everybody loves disappear after this if this keeps going for too long because there's just no way they can continue on. I mean, I've already seen like three or four bands. I mean, they might not be the biggest bands, but I've already right. seen like three or four bands you'll break up because they're just like, we yeah. can't sustain a lot yeah, of this. No the mids, the mid to the small to mid tier bands. Yeah. This is what it's going to affect the most. Yeah. Totally. Not that, you know, not that bad wolves is some fucking huge band or anything, but you know, we definitely because of zombie and because of bands like five finger death punch, we have a little bit of the upper hand yeah, of for being sure. closer to a more the mid tier big mm-hmm. size band we're like kind of right in the middle between medium and big yeah and... it, it's uh yeah it, it, you're right though it is these like it's the 
it's the 1000 seater bands that um yeah. that i'm really worried about because those are the bands that you know they are full-time guys but they barely make any money outside of touring you know what i mean like the 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 streaming services and the whole CD issues that are in the music industry have crushed them to begin with. Yeah. So, you know, if they don't tour, they're not making any money. It's like, uh, it's just tough. And a lot of those, so. and a lot of those smaller to mid tier bands where they get their money is, you know, not only the touring, but mainly it's out of merchandise. Yeah, completely. Yeah. There's a lot and of, that's bands. what I meant by touring is just merch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, there's, I know there's a lot of bands that might not have, you know, large guarantees, but will crush it in, yep. in merchandise. And that's, and that's where they make their living. That's where they're able to, you know, provide for their families because I mean, granted, I know it's not the eighties or even up to the early two thousands anymore, but it just, right. you know, and a lot of guys have been able to like myself and I know a few other people have been able to have been subsidizing their income with different sources as well. So it hasn't been as catastrophic for me as it has been for, you know, the actual crew guys who like that is their job. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it just, it's, it's more and more solidifying that it's just, you know, to be a musician today is not just, is not just playing your instrument. It's no, you gotta, I, I talked about this with, with one of my buddies. It's like to be a musician today, you have to be a songwriter, a performer, a videographer, an editor, a producer. Yeah. Like you got to be, you got to have everything. You yeah. Know? There's a yeah. level of self self-sufficiency now that has to be there and you have to, you have to try and do your best to spread, you know, your fingers into each little bin because it's, uh, it's definitely tough to, to just do one thing and yeah. expect to get enough revenue out of it to survive, you know? So it's, it's really going to be an interesting one here. I, um, I don't know what to think. I, I'm personally more optimistic now than I was like, say two weeks ago about it. Yeah. Cause for a while I felt like I was definitely like, even though I try not to be negative and like, think that into the the ether it was like how is this gonna actually turn around because there is th these viruses aren't gonna end it's not like this is some magic virus it, it yet yeah, it unfortunately you know it affects older people a lot more than younger people but a lot of these viruses and stuff do yeah so it's it's more trying to save them than it is for any of us i mean if we can only go by numbers, well, then if we're supposed to listen to the CDC, well, the CDC is saying that, you know, the 99% for most age groups and what, 96 for 75 and up. And it's like, all right, well, I thought we we're supposed to go off science and numbers here. And if that's the case, then why are you still just holding everybody down on this? You know, I really think that nobody, nobody knows what to do. Yeah. And there's a few states that have kind of opened up and then they see like a resurgence in, in, yeah. in COVID numbers. But I just think some of those states, sorry, Florida, um, and Arizona, Texas, I just think that when they opened back up, they didn't take any of the precautions. They were just like, Oh, don't worry. Don't wear a mask. Don't do anything. Stay close quarters. Like they didn't take yeah. a lot of the, uh, the the social guidelines in when they reopened and I think that, that was a problem now I think if if uh, if things opened up and they were still using the social distancing man uh, uh, social distancing mandate rules I think that there would have there would have been able they would have been able to continue to stay open with a lot a lot less covid cases yeah now, the floodgates definitely isn't necessarily the best way to go about, you know, yeah. like getting back to normal. 
But I really think as long as you're being precautionary and I mean, dude, I don't like touching fucking people anyway. Like my friends, whatever, but it's like, I don't like touching anything anyway. Like before, even before this, I always have, I always have a box of rubber gloves in my trunk for when I go to get gas because I don't want (laughs) to touch that bare gas pump. Like, yeah, no, I hear you. You know, like. Yeah, and I, you know, I just think it's such a, it's such a fear-driven thing that that's what I think bugs me the most is just, it just feels like there's something else going on behind it. Like it, it has motives when it comes to a government level that I just, I can't help but be conspiratory about it to a certain extent because it's just like, I don't know, everything seemed a little magical and it's just the timing every election, there is a big new disease with a name on it. And this one seemed to be worse. And, uh, but you know, when that, that H1N1, when that hit during that Obama election year, Obama just straight up stopped testing at a certain point and it pissed a bunch of people off. We forget about this, but it pissed a bunch of people off, but that's when it went back to to normal, even though we never shut down, obviously, or got that, that crazy about it, but it's, it, the more you test, the more cases you're going to get when you got to test to find out if you even had the damn thing. Something tells me that maybe it's getting taken a little out of context when we're talking about crushing the humanity of like a significant amount of people in this country, you know? So, yeah. And I, and I, I, and I know that there is, you know, I know that there is, you know, in, in our business alone, there's over 12 million unemployed people in the music industry right now. And yeah, that's scary. And I mean, I, I've had to do COVID tests for, for my job. I'm, yeah. I'm fine with it. I've come out COVID negative twice. So that means the, the test that I did means that I have, I have, have not been exposed or currently have any COVID related. Now this isn't just COVID-19. This is the SARS virus in general. Mm-hmm. So I, because the COVID, the COVID test with the nose swab is yep. not just for the COVID-19 virus. It is all SARS related viruses. Right. So if you have been sick with anything in the SARS related family, which there are a lot of different COVIDs, you know, Mm -hmm. um, or coronaviruses, I should say. Um, Right. So I have not been exposed to those antibodies. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's just hope it gets back on track. I think we're all. We're all nauseous of, of the of the topic and the subject for various reasons. It sucks all around, that's for sure. It sucks yeah. for people who have died from it, and it sucks for people who wouldn't have died from it. That who knows what they'll die from now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and and and, and we will change the subject here in a second because I know it's kind of this is a downer fucking topic. <laughs> um, but I, I I will say it's just I don't know. I really feel like. I have I have some insider stuff because I have a really close friend who works at the at the Department of Defense. Mm-hmm. Um which if you really want to know <laughs> I'll let you know after this. Yeah. But uh yeah, I I'm just going to end it with this and just kind of reiterate my point. Like taking precautions and slowly opening things up seems to be the most reasonable. You can't keep people you can't live in fear and keep people in their homes forever. Now, again, I'm going to reiterate, I am all for these social distancing rules. I'm cool with that. I don't want yeah. motherfuckers around around me either. You know? Yeah, no, for sure. I don't <laughs> want to get sick. It sucks getting any form of sickness as a drag. So, but, <laughs> no, uh, I'm with you. I agree. So another thing that will probably maybe upset some people, but I, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I, I remember when we were trying to, to put this together, you were just like, oh, before October, what was it, 19th? Uh, yeah. What about October 19th again? Because you were. Oh, yeah, I'm leaving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm leaving on North Dakota. Yeah, that's you said that date. And in my head, I was like, what is that? That's important to me again. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yep. I'm going out to North Dakota pheasant hunting that day. So when you hunt now, a lot of people I want to say this because a lot of people don't understand hunting. There are certain there are certain and you can feel free to add to anything I'm about to say. There Mm -hmm. are certain species of animals that we need to keep under wraps or else they will literally go rapid boars are one of them boars are one of the most destructive species of animals they'll kill your cows oh yeah they'll kill any of your crops that you have they'll eat your crops kill your animals they are nasty and we can thank fucking william randolph hirsch for those bastards being in california yeah they are uh well they're one of the biggest issues facing the states that they're bad in i mean it's it's real bad and it's only getting worse (laughs) yeah well and with with boars, they can mm-hmm. start procreating at as young as six months old. Right. Yeah, you can't keep up with their breeding numbers. They can have anywhere from six to eight piglets per pregnancy, and they can and they can get pregnant after three months from from time of giving birth Crazy. to getting pregnant again. So if you think about it, one boar, if you average that out to six piglets per uh what would that be? Quarter, I guess. Yeah. No, right. it would be so every three months. So yep. I'm not exactly sure where that comes out to be, but every three months, there's 12 months in a year. So that's yep. that, basically that's four old. times a year. Yeah. They can, they can have fucking, oh, 30 yeah. piglets a year. One it's crazy. Itself. Yeah. It's not good. <laughs> so there is, there is a whole thing about, you know, vegans and blah, 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 blah whatever i get yeah. it. I, I get it you love animals and that's totally fine i have no, oh yeah i have no great to your veganism no. but hunting is far more ethical than factory farmed oh yeah by i mean that's that's a big reason why i hunt is and especially now that i'm home this year the big reason i'm going to get out there is because I want to do as much as I can to not have to be a part of the factory farming debacle that is eating meat. You know what I mean? It's, you can't escape it fully just because if you like to go out to a bar and eat a a, a meal, you know, yeah. a lot of that is not going to be grass fed, you know, farm raised cattle that was killed by the farmer that's known in its whole life. But yeah. you know, you can only do your part. And I mean, getting back to the, how you started the, the story, um, people don't understand when you as human beings step into an, you know, like an ecological situation, once you become the kind of the dictator of that, you can't just let it go now. You know, you can't walk through a country, kill all the top predators and then expect all the deer to live happily ever after. And that's now why we deal with chronic waste disease so bad in Minnesota and Wisconsin and Iowa and you know, this whole area. Can you explain what chronic waste disease is for people who don't know? Yeah, a little bit. I wish I had a better explanation, but essentially the it spreads super fast between deer herds and a lot of it comes from overpopulation is really what it stems from and it yeah. kind of drives them crazy. So it gets in the brain and I I think it's from sharing the same like food essentially like they're like it's a bacteria thing or something kind of like mad cow disease yeah it's a very similar it's like a proton uh, what's that not protons but there's something in the brain um it's not proton but it's close to that word and so yeah 
I wish I wish I would have done some homework. But nonetheless, it it takes out huge amounts of deer, and it kind of drives them nuts. Like they'll they'll start walking around just like in the middle of the road, and they, it's almost like they're rabid, but they're not because it's not like they're yeah what most people think of rabies where you get like vicious deer running around or anything but yeah. they just kind of go bonkers and lose their mind and the the biggest issue with it is that it spreads so fast and so you have entire deer herds that get this and then just spread it to one another and now all those deer are essentially worthless you know so yeah this has been going on for 30 years i think yeah and uh it just doesn't get talked about a lot but yeah without you know stepping in and controlling that you're these deer aren't living a magical life forever it's not you know if you really a want wild see animals them. life <laughs> yeah is like seriously like if you if you think we're talking bullshit please go look up there's plenty of videos of showing not only deer elk and other animals oh, yeah. being attacked by mountain lions bears like their life out there is literally dog yeah. eat dog absolutely and and that's the thing is a lot of people think like oh you shot that beautiful creature and it's like yes but it's this beautiful creature gave its life for a purpose, not just for another pack of wolves to tear it apart because that's exactly how they die. Most of them up North, you know, here mountain lions. I mean, the, the amount of deer that get hit by cars, it was staggering to somebody who's never been to Minnesota or, or Wisconsin. Yeah. I well, I, we had talked about this on the phone the other day that, uh, one of my buddies, um, who's, who's a professional hunter and yeah. uh, archery pro, his name is John Dudley. He did a study oh, yeah. back in 2015 or 16 and from one insurance company, one insurance company, uh, a car insurance company, there was over 1.5 million accidents during the rut, which is their mating season. Yeah. And that for elk, I, from elk, I believe it's end of October to the beginning of January. And yeah. I'm not sure. And maybe it's, maybe it's the same for deer. Yeah. Whitetails. Yeah. Pretty much, you know, like late September, even early October. And uh, it really gets going October, November and December, you know, it starts to fade off a little bit, but yep. Cause what happens when, when it's, when it's reproductive time, when these deers and elk, when they lose the velvet, yeah. that's, that's when, you know, and basically their only, their only thing that they are worried about is procreating. Yeah. They get like massive deer hormones where they don't give a shit about <laughs> anything. That's why nope. around those times of year between September and January, you will see the most roadkill. Oh yeah. It's because there's, it's these bucks that are going out in the street and they have no idea what the fuck's going on. They're not paying yeah. attention, you know, not and, at all. And honestly, most people I know, and I'm sure, you know, Charlie can agree with this as well. When you're hunting animals, you're not hunting young animals. You are hunting mature animals who have lived yeah. a life and exactly. have, have been out there and have done their time. And instead yep. of letting them get ripped apart by mountain lions or bears, bears, bears and cats will fuck with you. That will not be a peaceful death for oh, an no. elk or a deer. No, it's not. And there's a technique. You don't just shoot it in the head. No. You go for yeah. the lungs or the heart. Yep. You take the lungs and the heart out and it, they don't even know what happens. I mean most of them will go right about their business if they you know a rifle will obviously drop a deer uh but a bow so a lot of times you'll shoot them and they'll just you know they'll jump for a second and then just go right back to what they're doing and then just pass out yeah. and it it's a you know it it really it's an odd it's an odd thing to me that became such a big like debate and an argument and mm -hmm. uh because 
number one, how do you think humanity ever got to this point? If you think it was eating plants, well, you're wrong. <laughs> and uh, if everybody wanted to go vegan right now, and we just said, you know what, this has got to end. And we'll bring up the factory farming later, because I have, you know, a lot of hunters and, and anybody has a, a major gripe with that. But you couldn't even you could not source the world with food if everybody wanted to be vegan it's the it doesn't happen that way you know yeah. what i mean there's not enough land on earth to to feed everybody so you know it's nice for the for the uppity people in in uh the west coast and and stuff to get super veganized and powerful with it and there's nothing necessarily wrong with it but a lot of them it's misguided anger and it's uh it's a real odd because they should be directing it at factory farming, not hunting. That's for sure. Because hunters yeah. do more for animal populations than they've ever done in their lives. I mean, we, we donate so much money. It, it's yeah. crazy. Oh, uh, well, Brilliant. I was, I was, I was at, I was at a dinner party before it was right around the time they were going to start locking people down. It was, I think like a week or two before the, the lockdowns. I was up at my buddy's house and we were having dinner and, um, you know, he, he's a vegetarian or I'm sorry, he's a pescatarian. So he eats, yeah, he eats fish. fish. Yeah. And, uh, but he decided to make me and a couple other buddies. He's like, you know, I'm going to make you these delicious steaks. Yeah. And you know, I'm eating and there's like a whole, there's a whole spread, man. It was literally, it was so delicious. And I had said something or one of the people there was super strict vegan Mm -hmm. And she had said something to me about, I don't know, about like, oh, you should go vegan. And, and yeah. I was like, I was like, I was like, I get that you're vegan because you love animals. But I was like, yeah. where, where, where did you get your clothes from? And she yeah. named whatever store. Yeah. And I was like, all right, cool. And my, my buddy Mike looked at me. He's like, don't, don't fucking do it. Please don't. <laughs> so I, I just bit my tongue and I said, okay, yeah. cool. If that's what works for you, that's what works for you. Yeah. But what sure. I really wanted to say was... Mm -hmm. You bought your clothes from a major manufacturer, yeah. a brand name. Mm -hmm. Where does that come from? It comes from cotton fields. Now, did you know that there are more mice, snakes, rats, and other small animals that are killed by cotton machines than anything yeah. else? Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's a great point to bring up, too, because that's what's funny is people draw their lines at the at the pretty, you know, the, the cute little animals like they saw on Disney, and they it created this weird, like perception or something where those animals you know they don't want to see die but all the chipmunks and ground squirrels and 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 gophers and mice and snakes and yeah yeah rabbits they don't, they on don't and think on. about them they, they don't care about them when those fields get plowed like and they all get roasted by a machine <laughs> like yeah that's the that's i mean the, the same thing. happens when you harvest corn too oh absolutely because yeah, there's tons. critters that live in in there that's yeah. where they make their homes like groundhogs and gophers and yeah. snakes a bunch of different animals and when you Tons. harvest when you harvest those vegetables yeah unfortunately yeah, they're all getting torn up yeah that's a, a really sad byproduct of you know it that's is. just it's just how, that's just how it's done and it is and that's the thing is people draw their lines and then you know then it becomes a debate based on you know bambi and not you know the little groundhogs and stuff like yeah they don't matter as much we can lose a few yeah. thousand of them <laughs> and i get it i, yeah, I get I, it too i, I, I get do it and yeah. I, don't get me wrong i love me some cows i think oh cows, me too I, I think cows are amazing amazing animals and yeah but they all are deer i mean they yeah, all have no little wits 
Oh, you know? The first time I ever heard an elk bugle, I'd nearly shat my pants. Yeah, they're like a crazy monster, you know? <laughs> it literally <laughs> sounds like, oh, I thought it was a Wendigo. I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, they're they're just, they're awesome animals. And that's the thing is that hunters respect the animals. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're out there with them every day that we're out hunting. And it's a, if anything, we're way more attached to nature than any vegan that sits on a computer and goes crazy about you know like you're killing the animals and like it comes from a that's the thing i'm sympathetic with it it comes from a good place but it doesn't come from a logical place it's ivory tower syndrome to me and that's just my opinion but social justice warriors yeah it's this fantasy land where everybody lives and happily ever after and nothing ever dies and nothing's ever bad or sad or anything and it's like oh man like all right we can just keep pretending and and it's fine like if you if you if you're vegan, that's mm-hmm. there's if that works for you, that's awesome. Yeah, now, for sure. Now, my favorite vegans are people who don't like Tim, our 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 guitar tech, Tim mm-hmm. Walker. He's yeah. he's vegan and I didn't know. I didn't yeah. I, I was on tour with him for like a month and a half. I didn't know he was vegan. Right, right. He, because yeah, I've got a bunch of vegan friends. He doesn't put anybody down for not doing what he does what he wants to do. Yeah, exactly. And he doesn't, he's like, oh, well, he's not one of those, um vegan guys. Right, right. You know, no, for sure. And a lot of them aren't necessarily like that, especially no. anymore. But, you know, you still just, it's more a matter of two, like, health studies. Uh, I think a lot of people who go vegan, they can last a few months before something starts to go wrong. And they're like, okay, what, what the hell's going on? It's like, well, you're deficient in this, 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 and this, because you're not properly making up for what you're losing by just eating plants, you know? And then, yeah. like, those Beyond Burgers and stuff, which are, they taste fantastic, by the way, because I've eaten plenty of them yeah, with my impossible vegan friends. Yeah, and beyond. Yeah, I, you know, but, I'm but down they with are it. filled. They are filled with so many preservatives that you couldn't even read the list. Like if you go down the list of the ingredients in that thing and read it, you wouldn't understand half the words. You know. Yeah. And it's it's it it's all GMO stuff. A lot of it too. And there's it's just there's a lot of depths to this topic. But um, yeah, the hunting one. That'll get it gets people riled up. I feel like, especially when you're not from areas where it's normal. Like yeah, California, got, it's like it, that's it, a, that's a yeah. no no out here apparently, right. which I don't I don't understand. I don't either, especially when mountain lions are terrorizing family pets because nobody takes care of them. You know what I mean? And I love mountain lions, but you can't have them overrunning your cities. <laughs> you know? And I would, and honestly, I'm not gonna lie, I would love to see what a mountain lion tastes like maybe you know yeah maybe maybe. i've never had one but i'd taste it (laughs) but uh yeah it's yeah it's it's a it's a funny topic it's see it's not funny out here nobody really cares in these states you know the midwest it's it's just a way of life out here i mean we all grew up hunting and fishing and you go you go to the coasts that's that's where you see it yeah that's where the uh where the anti-hunting and yeah City yeah. fantasy lands. <laughs> yeah. But did I, did I ever tell you about, um, so there was this streamer chick, and I'm probably repeating myself, but I really don't care because I would like Charlie to hear the story. Yeah, um, I don't think I've heard it. <laughs> I was following this streamer chick on Instagram, and she had posted something with like her little fucking vegan chicky nugs or whatever, yeah. and she was like, go vegan now. Like, mm-hmm. it's science proves that it's healthy, like it's more healthy than eating meat and all this. So all yeah. I did was comment. I was like, I was like, there's really a lot of context missing with this right. statement. And I was exactly. like, I get it to your page. It's it's whatever you want. You can post whatever you want. But I really think that if you're going to be drastically changing your diet from a, carni- or can- a carnivorous diet to not eating meat whatsoever, you should yeah. really go in- to your doctor 
yeah. a nutritionist, you should get your blood work done to see what works for you. Because exactly. what works for you does not work for the next person. No, not at and all. And telling people that they should just stop whatever they're doing and not eat meat can be very dangerous. And then very. she she deleted my comment and then messaged me. She's like, I'm not going to have your bullshit anti-veganism comments <laughs> on my page. And I said, first of all, I'm not anti-veganism. Yeah, not at all. And she's like, yeah, you are. And I was writing out this super unaggressive, thought out. Mm-hmm. Like, I was impressed with, like, how this, this came out. And I even, I even like, sent it to one of my friends. I'm like, how does this look? And she was like, oh, it, look, it looks fine. Yeah. <laughs> and so I sent it back, and she had fucking blocked me. So I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. I was just trying to help people out by. So, and then I, I, I made a post about it. And mm-hmm. I had a couple of vegan friends and, and, and one vegan friend was like, yo, but this and but that. And I said, well, there's a lot of stuff that we do get from meats. And especially if your body mm-hmm. is used to that, you have to, you have to get it from somewhere else. Yeah. There's, yes. there's 100%. irons, vitamin D, yeah. you know, there's a bunch Amino of amino acids up. Yeah. There's tons of them that you won't get if you're, especially if you're not knowledgeable. I mean, it takes a lot of research and a lot of like, like you said, you have to be tested too. You don't even know how your body's going to react to it. That's why people who go on carnivorous diets, they see massive results because their body's geared for that. You know what I mean? Like we didn't all come from the same sort of like gene allowed, you know, whatever our genes are not the same. Yeah. And every, and the whole point I was trying to make to her is that everybody's different. What works for you? If, if you like, if one day you were eating steak and then you're like, you're like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I'm going to become a vegan. That's mm-hmm. great. And if that worked for you and if you had no negative side effects, cause that was another thing I put in the comment, like there could be negative side effects to your health and it's not Absolutely. just with going vegan. It's any sort of diet, you know, for sure. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Like, you know, they're, they're, that's why there's a thing called like keto flu. And there's, and yeah. there's been, and there's been studies that have shown, like, if you do not do blood work and you go on a diet, especially one that is, you know, vegan or ketogenic, there can be negative repercussions if you are not careful. Definitely. So, yeah, it's, it's not even a debate at that point. It, that is what will happen. And then it just becomes, you know, what works for you after that. And, it, you know, if, that's the thing too is balance is good so it's it's not about this that or the other thing it's like yeah. a balanced diet and covering all your bases is what you need yeah. to do anyway <laughs> so and in short yeah it might work for you but it might not work for any, anybody else so That's true when when you're hunting are you using yeah. rifle shotgun bow yeah so uh i'm a bow guy so i've been shooting archery since i was How, why, why do i feel like i didn't kid. know this we talked about it once um but was i drunk I don't remember. I think it was at a, I think it was actually in catering. So we were probably just tired, <laughs> Maybe. but, uh, but yeah, I've been shooting my bow. Um, well, since I was a kid, cause of my dad, but, uh, I got heavily into it when I was in probably like ninth grade or something and took it real serious and just shot, you know, hundreds of arrows a day and used my musician OCD ness into archery too. And then, uh, so with pheasants, I shot a lot of pheasants, uh, with my bow in high school and I really didn't deer hunt ever. I would sit with my bow looking for big bucks, like old, old mature bucks, like we were talking about, but mm-hmm. never shot at one, passed up, you know, thousand does. And then, uh, yeah, my, my family obviously rifle hunts deer. And now this year I'll be rifle hunting deer, uh, since I'm home. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but yeah, with, uh, pheasants, shotguns, generally grouse shotguns, generally, um, 
and then yeah bow when i get the chance to sit and then rifle for deer but uh yeah primarily i'm primarily a bird hunter anyways but with the way the world's getting i'm that's why i'm I'm trying to fill a freezer this year so i'm gonna rifle hunt deer and and I mean, yo, deer backstrap is fucking it's tasty. The best. Yeah, tasty. I'm a venison, definitely a venison fan. So, looking forward to getting out there too. And uh, yeah, it'd be fun to get some pheasants out in North Dakota. That's a family trip that I never get to do because I'm always on tour. So yeah. that's going to be a good time as well. Because it's if anybody doesn't know, like pheasant hunting, it's more of like a a party hunt, meaning like not like you're partying, but like there's a party of people. Yeah. And so you get to uh you get to talk and have fun, and it's a lot more social where the deer hunting stuff can get a lot more lonely and, and yeah, I see, I see motherfuckers taking off their boots and like walking in the, in the mud and dirt, (laughs) like with no shoes on and shit, trying to be all quiet. Yeah. Stealthy. And and, yeah, yeah. like this, the, what what do they call it? Like the stock, this, this, Mm -hmm. I can't remember the stock and something I can't remember. Or you're either in a tree blind. Yeah. Um, That's we sit in tree stands. Yeah. So we sit up, you know, 25 feet. Do you, do you use a recurve or a compound bow? compound oh yeah, yeah. compound guy what do you use a pse matthews Hoyt? i'm a i'm a matthews guy still i got the i got the matthews uh q2 back in the day and i still rock that i just got it redone and it, honestly it shoots awesome so i'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep using it but i'm definitely gonna get that new matthews here one of these maybe next year yeah i have an i have an older hoyt carbon defiant 34 oh yeah i've been uh and it's bait and i i got the Hoyt just because everybody who I was training with at the time, like Forrest Carter, who's the, the, who he works and is the son of the owner of Carter Industries, which is a hand release company. And, you know, working with John Dudley, I kind of was just, you know, I know he's a PSE guy now, but that's just what, you know, I, they were just like, yeah, I have this. They're all good. Yeah. I I traded, I traded a, a base for a bow. That's awesome. <laughs> and the bow, honestly, the bow I got was worth more than the base I traded for. That's that's funny. Yeah, so, they all make real nice bows nowadays. I mean, they have for the last twenty years, really. But uh, I'd like to shoot with Dudley and get some uh, have a have a critique session. He's in but, Iowa, right? Yeah, he's uh, he's just outside of Des Moines. And un- yeah. the one thing that always bummed me out is actually when we were gonna do. Uh, when when you when we had to cancel the last three shows of yeah the, yeah yeah of the tour we were gonna yeah. hit Des Moines Dudley was gonna come out that's right that's what we talked about I remember that now yeah, yeah that's too bad John Dudley is he is just he's literally one of the best archers in the world and he's the sweetest fucking guy you will ever meet that's like, what it I seems even, like I talked to him like two times on the phone and motherfucker let me stay at his house yeah that's eat, awesome eat his fucking his elk backstrap his, and drink yeah, all his, his liquor. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've listened to him talk a lot, and uh, yeah, he seems like a super easygoing, nice dude. Yeah, he's and his, obviously, he's, yeah, he's one of the best archers in the world. So there's that. Yeah, super, super sweet guy, an amazing, amazing archery, and I feel bad because, you know, Dudley did. You know, I, John Dudley worked on my bow, which is like one of those things that only a few people can say. He'll only work on your bow if he wants to. You can't ask him to work on your boat. Like I remember we were taking pictures and like slow-mo videos of my, of how I drew, how I drew, you know, and we were able to kind of, you know, knock some of my shitty technique, you know, and work on that. And then he's like, oh, for your, you know, your draw length is perfect. The reason why you're missing so much this way, he's like, I'm going to fix your, I'm going to fix your peep. 
Yeah. And then, and then he put on a fucking badass um, limb driven arrow arrow drop. And yeah, sweet. Yeah, I have a. Uh, John Schaefer is another big archery guy who's been popular for years, yep. and uh, he he's my bow guy. And so I have all of his, like, I have his new arrow rest and his, like his gear on my bow. And I bought my bow there 20 years ago or whatever. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, it, some of those, some of those little things are what makes the difference, especially when it comes to, uh, consistency. And uh, that's why I'd like to have a guy like that. Just, yeah, just do exactly what you're, you're talking about right now, or you just get these little pointers that make the world. I mean, it's like when I look at somebody's drum technique or something and I can instantly like analyze it and be like, okay, this is what you need to do differently with your body motion. And it makes such a difference. Yeah. It, it really, really, really does. Um, cause I remember I was talking to Dudley and I was like, I had just like a, like a month or two prior, I'd had an accident where because I use a hand release. I'm not sure if you use a wrist strap or a hand release. I use a wrist for hunting. And then I have a hand one for like at the range. And um, so I'm I'm a strictly hand release guy. And yep. it's uh, it's the Carter Wise choice. So it's a two finger holder. And, okay. You know, I, I pull back. And yep. I was pulling back. I was at the range all by myself, which had rarely happened at this time. And the release I had made a, a mid uh, of like a full draw adjustment to one of my fingers and I lost the release. It hit my riser bounced oh. off my riser and hit me right here. Oh, like right no. between, right between the eyes. Ouch. And so I was, I told, I had told Dudley about it. And so he's taking pictures of me at full draw, um, in his, in his studio. And he goes, dude, you see that? That's why you lost, lost the, uh, oh. lost the release. And he shows me the picture and he goes, he's like, your the only finger that is that is stiff is your index. So when you made yes. that index finger adjustment, it just shot out of your hand. He's like, yeah, Dude, all you your gotta, power was there. You, he's like, you got to make sure that both of those fingers are tight. Yeah, and I'm that like, makes oh. sense. And then he fixed some form adjustments, but he's like, other than that, your form's really, you know, it's 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 good. Not that it was like perfect, but no, but yeah, it's good. He's enough. like, your your form is your form is good. That's it was good. so nerve wracking shooting around him. I sucked, and he was like, "I believe into that." Like post, yeah, I might feel a little odd too. Even though I've shot ten million arrows in my life, I'd probably be like, "Okay, this one's gonna feel a little different." Yeah, because <laughs> like, then you start to think about what you're doing. Is like, Am dude, I he good was like here, like motherfuckers were like filming everything. I was just sweating because it was like the <laughs> Iowa. It was in the middle of summer too, so it was like oh, yeah, Iowa humidity, and then yeah. like being on Dudley's channel, and I was yeah, just like, exactly. And it, it sucked, but I don't think he was That's able funny. to use use the footage oh, <laughs> that, really? that we shot. I think I was just <laughs> that that nervous. I was probably punching the trigger. I wasn't doing the you know. Were the you surprise. pretty new? Were you pretty new to it when you went and studied with him? Yeah, I was probably oh, okay. shooting for. I had started earlier that year, and I believe that was in July when I went there, and I think I started shooting in March. Oh yeah, so that is extra nerve wracking then, because you're yeah. just you're still feeling it out yourself. Yeah. And I'm sorry to say I haven't I haven't really kept up with it. I, yeah. I need to get back up there. But honestly, man, my bow's been sitting for so long. I, I think I feel like I would need to take it in somewhere to get like restrung. Yeah, that's what I did this year too. Because I I didn't shoot. I don't think I shot at all in the last two years. Maybe two years ago, I definitely didn't shoot last year. Yeah. And so I, that's exactly what I did. I brought it in, got it all redone and and retuned. Which, in hindsight, I might as well just bought a damn new one because 
I would have spent like $1,500 more and been completely decked out, but whatever. <laughs> I, at least now the Q2 is ready to rock for some years. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it felt good to do it too, because I forgot what a, a nice energy release shooting a bow is. It's There's something so ther- therapeutic about it that I've been shooting now almost, I'd say three times a week now. Oh, I'm so jealous. I really need, I really need to get back out there because what, what most people realize is like when you have that bow or, you know, for some people, a gun, when you're out yeah. in the range, mm-hmm. it, that's literally the only thing that's on your mind. And, and it, it, is. And it, it, and it's not because like, oh, we trained ourselves to like, no, it's literally you, you can't shoot a bow without just focusing on the pin, you know, exactly. making sure that you have good form because it's not just pulling back the string and well, let yeah, it fly. you know, there's, right. there's, there's technique in your stance. There's technique in pulling back the elbow yep. and getting release that, is huge. getting that, yeah, the surprise, the surprise shot. And yep. there's this whole thing and it's just, it literally, it's almost like time traveling for me sometimes because it's like next thing I know because what I do is when I would go to the range I would I would uh, put my phone in my backpack I would turn everything off I mean I I got shitty signal up there anyway so it doesn't really matter (laughs) and no it's true I would just get into it and I'm not gonna lie I was pretty deadly at 40 yards anything above that was a little a little hit or miss but Yep, that's I, good. I was, that's if you can get if you can get solid up to 40, 50, you're that's as far as you'll really ever shoot an arrow, you know, yeah, unless you go to like some out west areas, but I like I know like Cam Haynes and those guys will shoot they'll shoot up to 70, 80 yards. But um I watched that motherfucker shoot a balloon from 150 yards away. Oh yeah, I mean their trick shots are super far, Jesus but they'll let an arrow Christ. fly at an animal at like 80, you know. Yeah. Um like well, axis deer and stuff. Yeah, well they practice at the, the they say that you should be practicing at double the length of what you're of how far yeah. away you think you're going to kill. So it's like if I'm planning on shooting something that's 40 yards away, I should be trying yeah. to hit 80, 80 yard targets. Yeah, for sure. That's a good that's definitely a good rule of thumb. And, and like it's, t- uh, and and like nine or tens, like yeah, no eights, yeah, no yeah, sevens. no tight you wanna, groups, you, tight, yeah. f- tight fucking groups. And yeah. I, I was actually really proud of myself when I first started. I had tight groups right away. That's good. That's, I think a lot of musicians and stuff too are better. I feel like they're better at it naturally because their attention to detail is so big where, Mm -hmm. and you're kind of in tune with your body in weird ways with your like appendages. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I feel like that I've, I've seen that with a lot of guys who pick up archery later in life. And uh, when you're, when you're kind of athletically skilled in a way, anyways, it seems to come more natural to you. And if, yeah, if you can get those tight groups right out of the gate, that's a good sign at 20 and 30, you know? Yeah. And usually the rest will come because now you realize that it's, it's, uh, it's the same thing just with a different angle. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, dude, I got, I got really into it for like a year or so. Like it got to the point I was even doing exercises to help yeah my, yeah like my my, yep. my back muscles in in my draw hand yeah so you can just hold longer and be a little yeah. more stable and smooth dude i would i would hold my bass guitar out like this like yeah just with like a, <laughs> that's like a good slightly, idea because they weigh about eight pounds and yeah my, that's my funny. bow weighs i think it's like 4.5 pounds okay yeah that's so awesome i got a carbon fiber bow yeah. So I would just hold my base out for as long as I can stop. And then I would do it. Like I would try That's to get a good like idea. up to 20 seconds, up to 30 seconds. I think yeah. when I was at my fittest for archery, I was able to do it for about 45 seconds. I can hold, hold that base out like that. That's good. Yeah. Especially when it's that heavy, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I know it, it, uh, it, 
it can take over your mind in a good way. It, it becomes such a fun hobby. It's a lot. I've always equated it to snowboarding for me. It's like a sense of freedom that is like when you're out doing it. Yeah. Nothing else really takes over your brain. So you can just enjoy it on a next level where uh, it's easy to get distracted now. Like even when I'm playing drums and shit now, I feel like I'm always like looking over at my phone just to see if anybody had called or texted me or something. And like, <laughs> I'm like, and I have to remind myself like, okay, you got to be present. Like, don't think about, this or that or the other yeah. thing and because it makes a difference when you're talking these micro mechanics of like yeah whether it be bow with your hands and drums with your fingers and whatever it might be but yeah. it uh yeah that clear-headed feeling is tough to get these days yeah i i had stopped bringing my phone on stage with me because i i remember i don't remember where i was but i was with one of my old bands but i missed an intro because i wasn't paying attention oh yeah you got sidetracked yeah it wasn't with bad wolves <laughs> i think it might have been no. with, with scar the martyr so i just oh, I was yeah. like you know what i'm not i'm not gonna bring my phone on stage anymore it's like you know if you know if i have a girlfriend or anything at the time like i tell them like all right i'm I'm putting my phone away now. Like, yeah, I'll catch you in an hour or so. Yeah, like, exactly. As if it, like, if it's if the hour and a half will make a difference, or yeah, an hour, whatever yeah. it is. So, you know, I try to, I try to just, you know, when I when I get ready for show, you know, plug the phone in, put it away, you know, yeah. maybe do some stretches or push ups, and go do the show, and then you know me because I'm a, a smoker. I know it's bad. Yeah, quit. <laughs> you know, the first thing I go do is, you know, I go back to the dressing room grab my phone, grab my smokes, go outside, Yeah, you know, maybe have a beer. I don't know. Yeah. But like, the, and I like to just, and I stay out there, like depending on wherever it is, if I can bring my the beverage outside and I'll yeah. just stay out there for 15, 20 minutes and just kind of recollect. Yeah. It's, take for it. me, it's easy to, it's really easy to get into show mode. Like, all right, yeah. boys, it's time to get turned. Yeah. But recovering from that, I think is something people don't realize how difficult it really is. It's almost like, yeah, you you it's 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 funny because like i said it's easy for me to get into show mode but it's a lot harder for me to leave show mode mm -hmm. than it is and i think that me too especially some of our guests they need to realize that that like yeah listen i need my calm down period there's so much fucking adrenaline going on especially yeah. when you run that intro and you're hitting the you know halfway yeah. through the first song like after that is all just that's adrenaline Totally. I know it, it is. Yeah. That's why we go to bed so damn late half the time. I feel like too, is just cause you're so amped up. Like, what are you going to do? Just lay down and wind down at, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I mean, I always close shows like since I've been in death punch, it's always, we're the last band. So I don't have the luxury of like getting to like kind of chill out and watch another band play or something. Yeah. But all the same, it's like you're still jacked up for the next however many hours. <laughs> well, and especially you guys, man. You got the laser and the pyro, mm -hmm. like, yo, yeah. and the and concussions. I'm just hit, hitting so hard, too, and just like, yeah, you really feed off the adrenaline of the, of the audience. And, uh, yeah, I mean, especially, like, I feel like, uh, like you get that first week or two over with and you get your, like, your energy back and your yeah. endurance back up. And that's when you really, you come off a show and you're like, I want to do it again. You know, you're yeah, like jacked yeah. up after it. And uh, I, yeah, I'm the same way though. I, I have no issue getting ramped up for any show I've ever played. There's never been one where I've been like, okay, I'm really going to have 
trouble tonight. You know, like I'm really tired I have or something. That hangover in Milan. The hangover, <laughs> right? Like this, as soon as any of those things, it disappears for me once I'm playing. That's the beauty of it, dude. I almost threw up like three or four times during that set in Milan. Oh yeah, that's rough. That can happen too. Like the stomach thing could definitely yeah. happen. I'm just like Tim. Give me a bucket, please. Oh, that would be rough. Luckily, I, luckily, luckily I never I been that bad. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had. There was one show I played though, and it had nothing to do with booze. But um, I don't know what it was, but I had like a muscle cramp from like kind of like my rib cage down to my stomach area, like on my mm-hmm. side. Mm-hmm. Dude, it was like it was the only show I think I've ever played in my life where uh, I like couldn't focus on anything else but just like okay, make it through the tune, even though like nobody else knew that I had that going on. Yeah. But that was the only show where I got done with it. And I like, couldn't remember half of it because I was just so fixated on the pain that my body was in. Dude, I actually, I have a pretty good one and I'm not sure. I don't think I've told this. I don't actually, I haven't really told many people this story. So I, I was, it was when I was playing with in this moment, we were on our headline tour in 2009 and we were playing school of rock in uh. was South Hackensack, <laughs> New Jersey. Nice. And the intro rolls and I look at my guitar player, Chris, Chris Howarth, and I'm like, how long is this intro? He's like, why? I'm like, I got to poo oh, really, no. really, really bad. It like hit like as soon as the intro, I'm like, oh, fuck. And he's like, you don't got time, PT. And they oh. called me PT, which stood for part time, which actually ended up being true. So, um, <laughs> so I remember I go over to Blake before we go and I'm like, dude, I'm going to be holding this shit. We played an hour and 10, I think at that oh. time. I'm like, That's I'm holding the shit. And he would, he, there would be one part of the set where he would come over and slap my ass as hard as he fucking could. And I hated uh, it. I hated no it. Doubt. So I told him, I'm like, please, I'm holding the poo. Don't slap my ass. But that's literally the only show I don't remember. The only thing I remember is feeling the agony beforehand. Yeah. Literally, as soon as the song ended, taking off my bass, like not even like being there for the crescendo of like the end of the thing, <laughs> like th- throwing my bass to Brownie, our, our guitar tech. And, and and there was no dressing room oh, no. at this place. So I, I wanted to make sure I ran out the side door and around to the bathroom before everybody came <laughs> to use the bathroom. Terrible. <laughs> That's, anything to do with the body when you're going to play a show is not going to be good in any way, shape, or form. Like yeah, even like, like smashing a knuckle, you're like, damn it. Like now I got to feel this the next shows. Like, yeah, anything. I hate that because <laughs> I love when I just feel perfect. Yeah. And it's just like like a pee, whatever. That doesn't really bother me. Yeah, I, I can hold a pee for a show, yeah. unless it's like real bad. And then yeah, but you know we had that we had that acoustic interlude. Exactly, on the that's tour my with time to. Yeah, yeah, that's we we have our acoustic interlude, and that'd be my time to. If there's anything going wrong, I'd just take a walk and take a piss just to do it. But <laughs> that's my time if there is anything in emergency that I can deal with it. <laughs> God, I remember actually, you came to one of our headline shows when we were in Europe. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, and we had uh, our acoustic interlude was a little bit longer for our headline shows than it was. On, oh yeah, uh, on your guys' show. Yeah, and I remember I came outside to have my my acoustic. I because it gives me twenty minutes or so to have yeah. a break. Maybe maybe yeah. fifteen. And I think it's fifteen. And I remember I came outside, and there you are. Yeah, you're, and you're smoking a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, I come out to smoke. I'm like, like hey, Charlie, Kyle, aren't you supposed to play a show right now? <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's it's the acoustic interlude, bud. That, that's funny. I remember that. Yeah, that, that was and, in London. Actually. Yeah, yeah, that was in London. Yeah. And I'm like, oh fuck, Charlie showed up. Hell yeah! <laughs> and then me. Oh and yeah, because obviously I hadn't seen you guys yet. Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. And then I remember you and I went and had a had a 
drink at the pub right next to that place after the show. Oh yeah. And I always forget. Like I think because I I met you there, yeah. And I came in and they had already said last call, so you know I had a cider like I do when I'm over there. Yeah. And then I went to go get another drink, and she's like, "Nah, it <laughs> already passed last call." I'm like. I'm like, yo, it's fucking 10.50. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, pubs around here close at 11. I'm like, you got to be fucking shitting me. No kidding. That's <laughs> rough. I I remember that running into that a few times over in Europe at random spots where it was like, are you really close this early? And we, so we would rush when we knew that after, yeah. after we learned. We'd rush after I was done playing to get somewhere. Yeah. And I'm just <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Like, you're just going to you're gonna tell me on a Friday night. Yeah, exactly. That you're you're closed down at 11 p.m. I know. Like, How does that even work? How do you make your money? <laughs> oh, and then and then the one spot that that we, me and Doc and you know John and the rest of the boys would go to yeah. in London just fucking closed down. The Crowbar. Oh, that's dang. like one. That's like one of the very few pubs in London that was open until three. Oh shit! Yep. So you guys didn't get your your little special place that actually is open you got a stuck at one that closes at 11 <laughs> well we, we, we were able to go to crowbar last time and it was oh. and, it, and it was good but because of covid it, they they closed its doors ah so, uh, i see so i like, see damn like that's a drag because it's like yo sometimes you just want to have a bevy with your boys and it's just oh like, yeah that's the best to to after kind after of chill yeah, yeah like gets you back down a little bit and it's like you know staying at the venue and, and having a drink there is cool but sometimes you mm-hmm. just want to go out yeah you want to see the city a little bit because we're yeah st- we're stuck so much in so many cool spots and you like barely get to see them if you don't go out after yeah you know and then before it's just not as fun to walk around before too much i mean like taking a walk is one thing but like to go out and actually do things yeah explore the whole city then you're fucking tired yeah it's not i don't know it's not conducive definitely not for the drumming part of it either i've noticed it's like there's a snap that disappears if i go walk 15 miles you know yeah no for sure and it's just like having a day off in 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 a city that i've never been to before and then playing there the next day is like my favorite me too because then it's like cool i've got the day here to go explore and see what else is around yep and then that way i can you know i can get all my sightseeing done cool i've already found i've already found a place that i like to eat yeah and i've probably already found a place that i like to to drink at yep Totally. So it's like, then you go the next day, you could be, I could be like, yo, Charlie, like, yo, I found this dope spot. Like, you know, it's only a few miles away. Like after yeah. the show, let's go. You know? Exactly. It's, and that's it, so much fun. And then you feel like, you know, the city you're playing for too, which is always kind of nice. Like, yeah, it, no. it puts you like in a, uh, like mentally, like, you know, where you're located and stuff. Uh, yeah. I like that a lot more than, you know, how many days we've all gotten up out of the bus and walked in, ate at catering and then basically did a meet and greet and got on stage or something you know and then you do that two shows in a row and you're like i've been somewhere but it might as well have been a dressing room and a bus yeah and uh, i remember people used to give me such a hard time and i would and i would try to explain to them that it's not just like like when because of how late the shows go you know especially for you guys you know you're closing down at 11 sometimes later yeah um it's a lot harder to go to sleep earlier than like four or five o'clock in the morning when yeah. you're playing at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, because all yep. that, that, you know, all that, um, all that adrenaline, you know, you got to calm down and then mm-hmm. 
But then what's the what's really the point of waking up at 8 a.m. when you got to go to work at 930? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, I've tried to do it before and I've been it like, sucks, okay, dude. yeah, it's, it's just not conducive. And then I'm taking naps and I don't like that if, unless no. I like, you know, laying back for 20 minutes is one thing, but yeah, if I get up, you know, go to bed at four 30 and get up at eight, just to go trudge around the city. That's not, that's not very fun. And you really, you can't do it too many days in a row. <laughs> yeah. You'll be burned out playing drums or whatever for that matter. Yeah. Super burned out. But there's there, the one thing that, I, cause we had never done an arena tour in Europe before, before we went with you guys in Megadeth earlier this year, which yeah. honestly, dude, that feels like it was like 10 years ago, right? Yeah. Now. <laughs> it feels longer than, than it was. Um, we had a lot of days off in places that like we had never, like either we've been there before, but we never had a day off there. Like, I think we had a day off in Hamburg. Yeah. At least. Yeah. Because you, you came and met me doc. And I think Jasmine doc's girlfriend was out. Maddie was there. Yeah. You came, okay. out, you came out and met us, met us in Hamburg as well. And we went around to like different bars and stuff like that. Um, but having days off in places that I've either been, been before or never been before. It just, you know, I feel like you said, you get to know who you're playing for. You get to know the city and you get to yeah. kind of ex- actually experience because it's not just like, you know, oh yeah, I gotta wake up at noon, do rock star shit. It's just like, right. no, I mean, our job is very physical, and you know, you've you've seen us. You know, it's not yeah. like we're just standing there no. playing playing to the album. I mean, you know, Tommy's running, doing laps around the stage. I'm <laughs> yep. flopping my hair around, doing jumps. Yeah, and shit. a lot of head banging. <laughs> yeah, you know, Doc yeah, exactly. and Chris got their moves. Like, and you know, yep. every, everybody's doing it's their tiring. Part. Yeah, yeah, it's super fucking tiring. And it's and it's fun. Like it's not even like we're saying it in a negative way. It's you want to do that. It's just that you go that extra hard level and that's you definitely feel it when you're done, that's for sure. Yeah. So it's just, you know, I I miss it, but yeah. it's not it's not what people think. Like everyone thinks, and I'm sure they're probably gonna be like, Oh, you just talk about how you got to party with Chad Kruger and backstage <laughs> with three days grace and Charlie five finger death punch. And, yeah. and all that. But I'm like, yo, it's really not like some crazy. It's definitely not. No. Like, it's not Molly crew back there. It's, uh-uh. it's a bunch of dudes looking at their phone, figuring out like, all right, am I, am I going to go do something or am I just going to go to fucking bed? Exactly. Am I yes. going to order a pizza or am I going to eat catering? Uh, I should probably yeah. eat catering, you know? Yeah, you get your fun nights that randomly happen, and then other than that, it's a lot of exactly what you just said. And it's uh, it, you missed the Zach Wild night, by the way. That was, that was uh, not. I, dude, worth. I was super sick. Oh, were you? Damn. Yeah, I was super. That was sick. in Poland. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But that, Chris and Tommy and um, uh, maybe not even Doc. It might have just been Chris and Tommy and me and Andy and. Uh, I forget. That's about all, about all. I think maybe Doc was with. I can't remember. But nonetheless, that was that was one of those random nights where then you get to hang out with Zach Wild on his bus for two hours and hear stories. And uh, so sometimes those nights happen, but yeah. a lot of times it's it's us on our phones and yeah, or it's four of us going to a bar to sit there and chill out. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then my friend showed me where that speakeasy was when we were in Austria. And I was like, uh-huh. I uh, and I was like texting you and Andy. I'm like, duty boys gotta come down here, like oh, that secret door it. behind like the nun. Oh yeah, the, that place. The, yeah, yeah, I do remember that. That was cool. And then when like they had those drinks with like the uh, there was like the disco ball drink. Yeah, and, like, they had <laughs> it was crazy. Wicked, wicked little cocktail drinks. With, yeah, that was a cool place. Yeah, that was a super fucking cool place. So it's just like it's little spots year. like that where I like I try to 
I try to make a mental note like, oh, okay, cool. I'm going to be here. Yeah. All right. What do I remember about that place? Who are my friends there? And then I can kind of figure out, you know, I'll hit my friends up like, hey, what was that place that we went to to eat? Or what was that place exactly. that we went to to get drinks? And, I do the uh, same things. Yeah. And I'm just like, like, I find like now, like that speakeasy, like as long as it's still there. Yeah. <laughs> I know. know. When we go back to Austria. Gotta like, hit it. I'm like, that's my spot. And there's, yeah. and there's, you know, there's a, there's a donor kebab spot just right up the street. I remember it was pretty good. Yeah. So it's like, you know, <laughs> go get a kebab, go to the speakeasy, get those weird fucking drinks that come in a disco ball. Yeah, and... <laughs> exactly. I know. And then your, your fun night is set after you're done playing. Yeah. And it gives, it gives me something to look forward to. It's it just does. Like, you know, when, um, fuck, I have like, when we go to like New York, you know, mm-hmm. New York City, and then, you know, we got to go to Duff's. Or, you know, when we're in Chicago, like, oh, I got to go get pizza from this place, or I got to go, yeah. the, you know, like me and Doc will always go to uh, Portillo's when we're in Chicago. Yeah, you got your or, spots. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it, 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 I, I miss getting excited for, like, oh, fuck, we're going to be in Seattle. Like, I'm going to go get Red Mill Burgers. I'm going to go yeah. to the, I'm going to go to the, go have some drinks at Chupacabra after. Or, <laughs> well, it you keeps know. you sane, too. Like, yeah. It, it gives you, yeah, it's kind of like if you were at home in a sense of when you're at home and the things that keep you going at home, it's the same effect. And, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the thing, too. The more I tour, and then in the, I get to know all these different cities, especially in America, because I've just toured it so much more and only toured Europe once is like, yeah, these you it makes it go quicker. I guess that's mm-hmm. a good way to put it, you know, because that downtime is what drags on, not the shows. Yeah. Um, so when I get home from a tour, there's two things that I do. My first thing is that if I'm getting picked up from the airport or if I'm coming home from the airport or you know, yep. whatever. The first thing I do is I go to In-N-Out Burger or I go to Del nice. Taco. Nice. What is those are because those those are like such Los Angeles, Southern California staples. It's like yeah, that's, they are. That's like that's like my that's like my childhood right here. Like yeah, I haven't had In-N-Out in seven weeks. <laughs> I need to go there. What are what are like? Is there a place that you have where you live where it's just like that's like the first thing you do? I mean, obviously the shower, the home yeah. shower is like one of it's like it always need. feels good. Yeah, uh, I would say for me, it's always Crave. Me and Alyssa always go to Crave, mm-hmm. which is around other places, but just the home front version of it is yeah, that's usually our go-to for some sushi and uh, like chicken avocado egg rolls are my favorite. Ooh. So. Yeah, they're really chicken good. avocado egg rolls. What's yeah. up with that? I've never honestly. Heard of that. It's just like a it's like a fried chicken avocado mixture. Um, so they're not really like an egg roll besides the like fried outside thing. Yeah, so but, it's kind um, of like a like a tempura, but with like a roll inside it, and it's got chicken and avocado. Yeah. Uh huh. And Damn. it's kind of like diced up and mixed together, and uh, it's got like an aioli weird sauce that's super good with Yo, it. Yo, I but, fucking um, love me some aioli, dog. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's real good. So yeah, it, that seems to be my always like my go to. Like okay, yeah, mm-hmm. back home. Let's let's make it feel like I'm home and go there. <laughs> it really sucks because like when I first started touring back in 2009, I remember uh-huh. I would come home from tours. And there was this like little shitty dive bar right next to my house and they would have like, you know, shitty bar food. But for some reason, I don't know why, maybe it was just because it felt, you know, like home, like like home. Yeah. For some reason, the beers that came out of the tap there just tasted so much better. The cocktails that they made felt like they were made with love. 
I know <laughs> what you mean. No, it's it sucks because they you know they, they've changed owners and I've and I've and I've I went there over our our Christmas break, um, and yep. I was just like, oh, this shit just ain't the fucking same. Yeah, that sucks because yeah, <laughs> that that sense of home is gone. Yeah, <laughs> ah, here we go, boys. Like, yeah. just some, there's always that one place. You know, <laughs> there that, is, yeah. And 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 don't get me wrong. I I haven't really drank. I think I drank three times during the quarantine. So I don't think that me and Charlie are like alcoholics. But no, there's just certain there's just certain certain things that we look out for when we're on the road yeah. to have a good time with friends. That's just because we go to a bar doesn't mean we're exactly going to be drinking. But no. there's just certain places that like when I'm on tour, I'm like I gotta go there. It doesn't matter yeah. if there's there's booze or not. You know. Yeah, um, just the it's just fun to to talk too, because when you're out on the road, you actually spend so much time alone, even though people wouldn't think you do, you really yeah. do. And so it's nice to just talk to and just like feel normal a little bit, if you will. And, well, and uh, when you're on a big tourist, you know, especially, yeah. uh, I know you're, you know, you're the newer member of the band, mm-hmm. but you know, going out and hanging out at your show without being, you know, harassed yeah. is, is, is really hard. So it, it, it's, it also feels nice to feel normal. in the fact that people aren't looking at you going, Oh my God, that's the guy from five. Finger Death yeah, oh totally. My God, that's the guy from bad walls. Oh my yep. God. I mean, luckily I have the Clark Kent thing because most yeah. people, when I'm on stage, they don't see me without my glasses. They see with my long hair all down. Yeah. Definitely. And then, you know, all I got to do is I just put my glasses on, put a ponytail up. You know, if I'm feeling, if I'm feeling frisky, I'll put on a beanie. Boom. Yeah. No that's what I do. I, I look like every mother, every other motherfucker yep. at that show. I put on like a, a bland sweatshirt and a beanie. And then, uh, if, if I don't have stage clothes on and my hair kind of spiked up, it, I don't think most people would recognize, I mean, people recognize us, but you know, it's not overwhelming. It's just like, Hey, uh, I know. Cause they were at the show or whatever. Yeah. You know? So they will take pictures and that's, that it's easy. Yeah. But I mean, for me, like, yeah, uh, I would, Cause sometimes, you know, sometimes the boys, you know, you don't want to be around your boys, yeah. even oh, though you yeah, love right. them. Of so course. like there was a few times on some of the last tours where I would just go out by myself. Oh yeah. And, I do all the time. And I would just, I would go to a spot and I just, I'm like, I feel like I feel great because yep. I don't really get recognized too much because of the Clark Kent thing I was talking about, Yeah, but it just feels nice to just be like, ah, I can just I- be myself. Yeah, I don't gotta I know. be nice to anybody if I don't want to be. Yeah, you know, I could. Just I'll just go and sit thing. on my phone, you know, rather yeah. than sit on my phone in my hotel room. I'll just sit at a like a restaurant, if you will, and just watch yeah. a football game or something stupid. And or, uh, you know, depending, or... like I really love, I really love it. Like when, like you know, bars or restaurants like have like an outdoor area. Maybe they got a little fire yeah. pit. Like that's where you'll find me. You know? No doubt. Yeah, that's the best. <laughs> that's awesome yeah it it makes me miss it you know there's there's it's uh, every touring musician has this opinion it's like when you're out on the road you you know you miss home and you're homesick about certain things but then when you're back home you feel out of your element at times too and you miss the road because you just there's a certain it's just like two different lives in a weird way too of your routine and everything so i'm really missing it lately that's for sure i i'm i'm really hoping we could get something set up in the spring or the summer but yeah i don't think it's gonna happen yeah i'm not i'm not i don't know for sure yeah i don't know anything but i'm yeah it's just but i mean there there is a thing there is a thing and i call it like post-tour blues 
Yeah. Where yep. because you're so used to, you know, it might not seem like you're doing so much, but you're doing a lot. You know, you're traveling from you're city moving. to city. You're moving yeah. around. You're doing all this stuff. And when you come home, you're like, cool, now what? I think yeah. all of us, I think all of us have experienced the post-tour blues. Yep. But now we're kind of like on the other side of it. Like, I know. We, we have true. like We have like the post-COVID blues. Yeah. And it's just like the, <laughs> the one thing that I want to be able to do is just go out and just like... If I would have known that Budapest, Hungary would have been our last show, yeah, I would have, I would have definitely gone a lot harder, and I would, yeah, have, you yeah. Know. I'm lucky because, uh, well, that Hungary show was sick. At least there's that. Like, oh we, yeah, it was amazing. That, we all had a great show there. Um, but and our last one was Sofia, Bulgaria, because you guys had to take off like a show or two early. Yeah. Um, that was the biggest one of the whole tour. So I'm glad we got to leave it on a, such a high note. Mm-hmm. of like craziness but that whole t- see that whole ending for for me was weird because i went from like the most euphoric i could feel knowing i was going to fly home and deal with my dog passing away because he got his older yeah. and had heart failure yeah. so it was like nice to get it all over with but now looking back on it it's like yeah i would do anything to be heading on a plane to ukraine right now and like and dude like i don't start it all over like, again i would be down for a 38 hour travel day till like, oh yeah me too Dubai i wouldn't even care or china or australia yep. or Same. south america like just ah oh, like yep. Uh, dude and and i'm and i'm and i know you i know you've heard some of my my rips what we call yeah. them like the pre-show yelling oh yeah, yeah. my first rip back oh i'm probably gonna, gonna blow be my good, voice good out well, you're gonna have to i mean you're gonna have to film it that one's gonna have to be filmed <laughs> oh that, that one that one that one's gonna be filmed and it's going up everywhere i yeah, don't care exactly. if the band wants it or not i don't care no. how inappropriate the shit that i say <laughs> like yeah that, that first rip back Ooh. oh man i can't that's... wait that's the thing is I, I do almost hope that we don't tour until things are like back to the, the same vibe as far as like fans are concerned and stuff, because I want it to feel like a real show not like some haggard, like half-assed show because we could only let in so many people. Yeah. But that being said, I'll take it whatever I can get. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah I, but... I know, I know that there's been talks of maybe doing some drive-in stuff. I don't really oh, okay. know. I don't really have any, any details quite yeah, yet. Yeah. I don't either. Um, but honestly, I'll fucking take it, dude. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. I would, too. I mean, shit, if you told me right now I was going to just go play my drums in front of a live stream, I'd do it and be pretty stoked to get, like, a live show going, feel going on, you know? Dude, get get your ass on Twitch, dog. Yeah, you know, I've done it before, and it's actually uh, it's on my list. I just ordered some new drum stuff because I'm like, my home kit isn't what I want it to be, so I ordered, like, a new Tom and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been, I haven't played much drums during quarantine, honestly, but... I have been learning the like the F8 album start to finish getting good at it yeah. so that I can do all my playthrough videos and just bang them all out. So I've been rehearsing all those tunes yeah. and then um, I am going to get on Twitch and start doing more just jams and more like live stream talks because I've only live streamed like twice in my life since yeah. Instagram. So I've kind of kept all that stuff close to the chest and mm-hmm. now it's time to kind of now that we're going to be you know doing this another whatever six months to a year it's like yeah it's time for me to get back out there and and start taking that stuff seriously again yeah dude actually um with you know the with all the downtime that we've had dude i started i started getting base i started taking bass lessons with jacob umansky from oh uh, yeah he's great Yeah, yeah 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 i know jacob um and I've been getting vocal lessons from my old singer Kalen. He was the oh, singer cool. for singer for Vimic, and he was in Corn for a while. And uh, you know, he's just he's a he's a great 
He's a great vocalist, but he's an even better vocal teacher. So he yeah, makes, that's he, nice. So I've been just trying to work on some of the the stuff and understand my instrument a little bit more. And I mean, I know you kind of come from like the 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 like I know you you're a learned drummer. Yeah, yeah. yeah like I've, I've, you come from the the school of you know the Prague and stuff like that. And yeah, I I I've always known that like I'm like you know what I'm I'm a rock I'm a rock bass player whatever. You know, I don't really know shit about music theory. Like, dude, I, I didn't even know yeah. until like a month ago that there's only fucking 12 notes. Oh, funny. <laughs> I didn't know that there was only 12 notes. That's and for people who are listening to this, most people who don't have a piano or a guitar, they don't know yeah. that there's literally 12 notes. That's it. Yeah, they don't think of it that way. <clears throat> And it's just, so I've been getting into the theory side of it. You know, yeah. Jacob's been teaching me, you know, um, modes and, you know, awesome. fifths and thirds and triads and diminished, you know. Yeah, for being a drummer, <clears throat> like I, uh, I, well, because I got my master's in music, so I had to go through all this craziness that I would never really need as a drummer. But uh, the theory stuff was some of my favorite. And I actually remember more than I thought I would when it comes mm-hmm. to not not when it gets to some of the goofy detailed stuff. But um, as far as like intervals and all of that stuff goes, yeah, it all stuck with me because I liked it so much. So I always have fun with MIDI and, and that whole thing. But I'm definitely going to start playing more guitar again because I miss that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I've been hitting the weights again because I, I was so skinny when I came back from Europe. Um, you were, so you, I, you were pretty skinny, dude. I'm I not was the skinniest lie. I've ever been. Um, not so that you on, looked bad. Just saying, yeah, not just that you too, looked bad. too skinny though. I got too um, fat over quarantine. I gained well, 30 yeah, pounds. I'm 20 up. So <sighs> I, I put on 20, but I feel good. Um, and so I've been hitting the weights now again, and I'm going to take that seriously because now I actually have the weight to get rid of where mm-hmm. I would always come home from tour so skinny. I needed to put on any weight I could. And yeah going to the gym all the time isn't the best way to do that and so by stopping playing drums so much and then like being kind of stress-free as far as like yeah i just don't have to do really much yeah i've been able to put the weight back on um so that's nice and uh yeah so i'm hitting the gym again which feels really good and then now the drums are starting to come back like i say i've been rehearsing the f8 stuff and uh now i'm gonna start doing shreddy stuff again too (laughs) hell yeah dude i mean Fucking doesn't Zoltan like kind of partially own BC Ridge guitars now and just have him have him fucking send you one of them things. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I have a Jackson DKMG Dinky that I've I had know exactly which one you're talking about. It's got the, it's got the kind red, of like the, yeah, it's kind of like flame. pearlescent. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, with the arch top. Yeah, I know yep. exactly. I know exactly which one you're talking about. I yeah, wanted one I, of those so bad. Yeah, I love it. It's, <clears> it's a, it's a great guitar and I got it like brand new. So it's uh, still in good shape. So I've been ripping on that a little bit, but not much at all. Like I'll pick it up and play for 10 minutes and I suck so bad compared to what I used to be that mm-hmm. it's deflating. But now I'm going to get back and just go back to learning full tunes and that'll, that'll get me right back up there. Yeah, dude, I was, dude, I was hitting the weights and I was, I was feeling real proud of myself. Like I was, I was really noticing cause yeah. I was really noticing like how big I was getting when I was, you know, I started going back to the gym for like a month or so. And I was yeah. like really proud of myself. I was like, all right, I'm just going to bulk up and then I'm going to cut the weight. Exactly. Um, now, and, now and then now my fucking back decides yeah. that it hates me or actually, you know, I guess I wasn't treating my back very well. Right. So, yeah. you know, now I'm kind of, um, but what I'm going to do once I'm able to do any sort of 
actual exercises that aren't my stretches is my yep. personal trainer has these home sessions every day that he does through zoom. Yeah, and, nice. um, so it's called like morning glory. It's every, every it's Monday through Friday. I think it's Monday through Saturday, like 10 AM to 11 AM. And I'm just, I'm going to start doing those for a month. And then once my back feels better and I'm comfortable with lifting weights again, um, yep. I'll start going back to him and start back getting into fighting shape. Cause I mean, who knows, man, uh, with, with how quickly things, locked right. down there could I be a agree. chance that like out of nowhere they could just be like all right boys let's yep. do it and i'm just gonna be it's sitting true. here like with this extra 30 i pounds. had the same <laughs> dude i had the same exact feeling and that's why when we did cancel this fall tour right away i was like okay now that i know it's done i can actually think straight a little bit because i was always like i didn't even hear if it was getting canceled or not till like right before mm-hmm. i would have had to leave you know yeah. so i was like okay now that that's canceled you need to realize it. Cause then I had to go shoot a music video and I was like, I am not ready to go do anything right now. <laughs> like I wasn't, I'm not out of shape, but I'm like not in, in the greatest shape I want to be in. Oh, I and am then, out of shape. You should, oh, yeah. see, you <laughs> should see this fucking donut <laughs> I have yeah. that sits in front of me. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. The COVID tire. I've got a little of it too, for sure. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that, that, that's what sparked into my brain too, is I'm like, you know what though, even if, we don't do anything for six months. I want to be prepared for that. If in November, something turned around, even if it mm-hmm. doesn't, obviously yeah. I'll be ready physically and like mentally and just everything else. So I'm in the same boat as you. I'm treating it like it could turn at any day. And then I'll just see, you know, what, if it takes another year, then so be it. I'll be in extra good shape. I better be, yeah. but, um, you I'm know, yeah, drums like, taking them seriously too. Yeah. I mean, you're a fucking, you're a phenomenal drummer. And like, I remember watching the first, the first few shows with you. And I was like, the one thing I noticed was when you hit that snare, I'm like, Jesus. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. I'm a hard hitter for sure. I love that though. Like it reminds me a lot of, uh, and sorry to cut you off. It reminds me a lot of just like, uh, like drummers that I've been able to see live, you know, like, um, like Thomas Hockey or, um, you know, Mario from Gojira or, Mm -hmm. um, or, um, Ray Lazier, like Ray Lazier yeah. is one of my favorite drummers to watch. Yeah, yeah he's he, a great drummer. Just he hits hard. He hits yeah. precise. Yeah, with me, with authority. I've always I've always like strived or however you use that word <laughs> to uh, like be the author like an authoritative player. Where if you see me play anything, whether you like it or not, is almost irrelevant because you can just tell if you yeah, watch subjective. me play it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That you can just tell, like, okay, yeah that dude knows what he's doing and that's not the first time he's ever hit that thing like that. You know? (laughs) So I always want to make it like apparent that I've put my time in, even if I'm not shredding my ass off doing all my crazy fusion tech metal shit. Yeah. But uh, even if I'm playing five finger tunes, I want you to see me play those and be like, yeah, that dude definitely can play some drums, you know? So it's it's one of those things. Yeah. That was one thing I definitely noticed because, you know, I can, you can tell a lot about a drummer by how he hits a snare. Yeah. You know? And it's like, you there's kick pedal technique whatever there's how you hit your toms or whatever but right. the one thing that everybody is going to hear is that snare drum yeah and like like john hits like a fucking like a hard motherfucker too you yeah know? uh-huh you know, just that thwack just yep. right in the middle of that snare uh, like I yep. know, oh this, this guy's good i could just tell by that hit of the snare because like yeah i don't know i feel like you know a lot of guys just tap that thing like yeah and it's yeah. a comfort thing too like they're tapping because they're uncomfortable with whatever's going on around it type of thing you know it's yeah. it's a it's like a coordination thing that you can tell right away if somebody's you know la di da and you can just do i could be playing and doing math equations in 
my head because it's so second nature type of effect versus yeah. like thinking about when a guy's thinking about everything and it's real tippy tappy like mm -hmm. that's when you know for sure like okay yeah his body's not quite there yet you know yeah but that was one thing i i noticed like i said right away and i really appreciate yeah, it i was like I was like, damn, that boy hits hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Hell yeah, dude. Well, all right, bud. Uh, yeah. My back is my back is telling me that it's time to <laughs> it's get up time. and walk around. So, For sure, but, man. dude, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, hanging out with me. And of hopefully, uh, hopefully, this won't be too much longer than me and you can go fucking just paint the town red one of these days. You know there what I mean? we go, man. Yeah, I miss you. I miss all you guys. I hope to see you soon. And yeah, man, it's great. Thanks for having me on. And anytime, man, we'll do it again sometime. So if people want to find you, how can they find you? Easiest way is always just like Instagram's the only social media one I'm like really good about keeping up with. Uh, mm -hmm. But you can find me on YouTube, any of the obvious ones. And it's just under my name, Charlie Ingen. So, yeah. Awesome, dude. Well, thank you so much. And thank you all for listening. And I will see you next time. All right. There we go. My conversation with Charlie Ingen. Drummer for five finger death punch see i did this podcast before i did the andy james one but i wanted to put out the andy james one first because it was kind of like news that he joined the band even though you know some of us in the know had kind of known for a while but uh you know this was a super fun conversation with charlie i miss all the death punch boys and hopefully we can get together and do a couple more rowdy tours and you know just be the boys. So anyway, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. If you want to follow Charlie, be sure to go to his Instagram, at Charlie Engian. That is E-N-G. What is it? I just had it here. I'm an idiot. It is, uh, oh, geez. It is Charlie E-N-G-E-N. Engian. Not Engine. That's his nickname. Dog. Get it right. Anyways, if you want to sponsor a podcast... You can shoot me a DM on Instagram or Twitter at KS Conkeel, or you can shoot me an email at just F S T uh, just S T F U podcast at gmail.com. And I hope you guys have a wonderful day. I know it being November the 4th, there's a lot of high tensions. You know, the election was last night. There was a whole lot of crazy stuff going on and still kind of is going on. So just remember to take time for yourself you know, not a lot of time, 5, 10, 15 minutes, and try to do something that you enjoy that gets you lost so you don't really have to think about all the craziness going on in the world. And just do your best to be the best person that you can be. So until next time, it's your boy Conky, and he's out.